Have you ever wondered about what it takes to become a healer or a shaman? Maybe you've seen a weekend workshop and you're really excited about getting started on your path, but you wonder, what does that path exactly look like? Today's guest is James Kawaii Nui, who's a native Hawaiian healer, mentor, and kahu or priest. He's going to share some insights with us about the path to becoming a healer through ancestral presence. Join us to find out more. Soul Nectar Show. The Soul Nectar Show. You're invited, delighted to discover who you are. Anything is possible if you believe. So join us on this beautiful journey. Soul Nectar Show. Soul Nectar Show. Before we start this episode, I, Carrie Hummingbird, and I, Akeem Sami, want you to know that you are invited. You're invited to, to join, join Soul Nectar, Nectar Tribe. Tribe. If you like what you hear on Soul Nectar Show, you will love being in person with us in Soul Nectar Tribe. We invite you to check it out. First 30 days is free. Right now, go to CarrieHummingbird.com. K-E-R-R-I hummingbird.com forward slash membership and sign up. We'll We'll see you at at our next tribe tribe gathering. And now on to the show. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Soul Nectar Show. That show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is greater than us, to the big mystery, beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably closer to the truth of who we are deep inside underneath all these layers of masks and projections and conditioning and all the things that we inherited. And some of those things we inherited are really important. And I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird. I know that, you know, I love these conversations week after week on the show. They are, they're just very, very powerful for me to bring to you and to have myself, you know, mostly I do it for myself first and very selfishly then put it out for you to consume. And I hope that it benefits you. You know, what's really on my heart today as I, I get ready to interview our guest today is the loss of the respect for the elders in our Western culture. You know, we're so fascinated. We're so fascinated by the youth and we all want to look younger and stay young, the fountain of youth and never age. And, and that's, you know, it's beautiful to want to live a long life, but like, what are you compromising in the process? Because with youth does not always come wisdom because wisdom is gained from a life lived well and, When I say, well, I mean explored, you know, so we all make mistakes. And part of what happens when we explore those mistakes and go into our shadows and we, we consult with those that have more wisdom than we do, because they've walked the path longer than we do. We actually get an enriching life. A wise life is an enriching life. And that comes from respecting our elders and our elders that are living and also the elders beyond the veil, you know, those that have walked the path before us for many, many, many eons. We can tap into that really deep wisdom. And we can do that through these paths that are now very sexy on on the mainstream. And I love that it's getting sexy because that means people will want to do it. But, you know, ultimately, you can't become a shaman in a weekend workshop, can you? Really? Because 
I know that my power in my lineage that I follow from the Caro shamans from the Indies mountains, and that all is, I'm getting wisdom from the field, from the ancestry of that lineage. That's what's really making me strong. It's not because I just woke up one day and was a genius, you know, it's because I joined a lineage. So I have some opinions about that. My guest today does as well. And we're going to be talking about that. Welcome to the show, James. James Kawai Nui is here with us. Good morning. How are you? (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad you're here to contribute a perspective because you're also a Western person and you're a native Hawaiian healer and a mentor and a kahu, which means priest. And uh, James's family goes back over 20 generations in Hawaii. And he uses that connection that he has with his ancestors to guide people from all walks of life to find their purpose and passion and help them understand and overcome the mental, emotional, spiritual obstacles and stories that keep them from living a fulfilled life, and especially in our Western culture. And so I, I know, James, that you agree with me that the, this is what the medicine that the culture, the Western culture needs more than anything, but we also need to put it in some context. So I know that you recently had a beautiful journey yourself of connection. So I don't know where you want to start this conversation. I know that's just like, I see you like on the edge of your seat, like I got something. (laughs) (laughs) And you're right. You know, there's lots of different places for us to start this conversation. And maybe it starts with that place of the journey, because for all of us, it's what we are on. We're on the journey. We're on this journey of self-discovery. We're on this journey of self-realization. We're on this journey of finding that innate inner wisdom that's inside of us. And we all come about inside of that in our own ways. You know, the Buddha said that there's many rivers to the ocean, right? And so it's the river that we choose to travel on, I guess you could say. And, you know, for me, that that journey just recently was going back to Hawaii to reconnect for, it was a soul reconnection more than anything. You know, I did have the opportunity to sit with people. It wasn't what about the trip was for. It was sometimes when you go places, there's nothing to do except experience the place that you're in. People run all over the place. And and I think we get lost inside of, we We're so lost inside of Western culture that we go to a place. And I saw this a lot in Hawaii. This is really an interesting thing. We went to South Point. On, on the big island, on Hawaii Island. The energy there was so primal. The energy there was so, like, in your face. Like, the wind's blowing 30 miles an hour. The sea spray's blowing all over the place. There's dust swirling. And the land is just calling you. This is pretty apt, I think. And I look out. There's nothing between this point and maybe three or 4,000 miles, which is the next islands in the South Pacific, right? So it's primal energy coming off the ocean. And I look out there and there's these three young women and they walk all the way to the edge of the water and they're putting themselves precariously in position where if a big wave came and they would swap, sweep them right off the rock. And they walked all the way out to the edge of the water. And then she took off her clothes while her friend was holding her camera. And then she went like this and went like this And took her pictures. And they all took pictures that way. And then they left. (laughs) And it's what I see. It's what I see often. Because I live in, I live right outside Sedona. And I've had the opportunity of living in sacred places a lot in my life. I lived in Mount Shasta. Obviously, I grew up in Hawaii. I lived for 
few years in New Zealand. And so I got to feel that. But people show up to show everybody that they went there, but they missed the real meaning. I watch people do this at the Grand Canyon all the time. They walk up to the Grand Canyon, they look at it, they take their picture because the Grand Canyon is, is so amazing. And then they literally turn around and walk away. It's the Chevy Chase movie. It's like, oh, yep. Okay, yep. check. Did that one. Okay. Be, been there, done that, got the shirt, right? <laughs> and yet there's this deep energy that's sitting underneath all of that. And there wasn't an awareness of it. There wasn't an awareness of it. And so when we talk about that journey and we talk about, you know, one of the questions you asked me, right before we went on is how do we bring that ancient wisdom into our modern lives? And in a lot of ways, that's been the core of my teaching, the core of the work that I do with people. And if we wanted to talk about anything, I think the thing that we would talk about is we've forgotten how to listen. Mm-hmm. And and we're so busy, busy getting our voices out there, right? I mean, guilty as charged, I'm a sage, you know, so I'm busy getting my voice out there. But we all want to be heard. But how many of us want to listen? It's that listening that if somebody was to ask me, what would, what would be the one thing that you would give me to work on? And I would say, practice and strengthen your listening skills. Because listening is not always about the ears mm-hmm. listening is is the listening to the land the listening yes to the wind that's blowing through your hair but you're hearing the wind blow but there's also what the wind is doing the wind is swirling the dust the wind is creating white caps on the ocean the wind is doing all these things so you're listening with different ways you're listening the way that the wind pushes the the water up against the rocks and the sound that that makes right and the calling that sits underneath all of that. So it's this way of listening. And you're right. There's a, I love Michael Fronty. And I've been listening to him for a long, long, long time. And I don't know if anybody listens to Michael Fronty, but there's, there's a song that he talks about that. And he says, we're so busy trying to get our point across that we're not listening to the people that are there. Right? Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to listen to how they feel. I want to tell everybody what to feel but I don't want to know how they feel. And I think in our modern society, and especially the polarity that we're seeing in our country right now, it's that place of our failure to listen. Yeah, and it's that entrenchment too and and defensiveness around perspective. But that's the shadow frequency. That's what happens when we're in our ego self, our shadow self that's one-dimensional, two-dimensional, three-dimensional, I guess. But there's like the omni-dimensional, right? There's like the oneness of all that is that has all the billions and billions and billions of perspectives. And when you get quiet enough, and that's for me, I have stillness as my life's work. So I'm in it with everybody listening. I hear you. Like if you have a hard time slowing down and just shutting up and sitting and being quiet and not thinking, oh my gosh, that's been my life's journey. I so understand. That's a human collective learning experience that we're that we've always went through but in this in where we are inside of our consciousness right now it's really imperative that we start to understand that i think on a, on a different level i remember that you talking about oneness and i'm a storyteller so i'm just going to tell you a really quick story <laughs> the first time i really experienced that oneness was brothers twice 
and then the first experience helped build the second experience. And and it was when I moved back to Hawaii after living in um, away from Hawaii for a really long time. I lived on the beach, and I had an experience one morning. The bay that we lived in, that I lived in, the humpback whales frequented it in the in the winter. So the humpback whales from Alaska swim. You know, they migrate to Hawaii for the winter, and that's where they calve and they breed and everything else like that. So basically, they go for the winter to hang out and vacation, and they don't eat while they're there. They only eat while they're up in, in Alaska. So this is like a, a six months of, of a different form of their life. Anyway, one morning, uh, humpback shows up like right in front of my house. I happened, I had the grace and the fortune of living right on the water. Now, if you had turned the camera around from facing the ocean, what that was beauty, you would have saw uh, a 20 by 20 tin roof shack with no electricity and no running water. That's what I was living in. But my front porch was a Pacific Ocean. Anyway, the morning comes, there's this whale that's sitting out there. I have a kayak and it's just sitting in the bay. And it's like, I can hear it. It's calling me saying, come. And I'm scared, excuse my language, but I'm scared shitless because it's this animal that weighs 20 or 30 tons that, you know, just its, its side flipper could go like this and it could crush you, right? And I'm afraid to paddle out there in my kayak. And yet there's a part of me that says, dude, you've waited all your fucking life for this. Yeah. Right. And so I get in my kayak and I paddle out and, and it's like, this maybe only 50, 60 yards offshore and it's already, you know, a hundred foot deep. And I, so I paddle offshore and I'm sitting there quietly. I, and I went to about where the, the humpback whale had come up a few minutes before and I'm sitting quietly and all these things are going through my head and my heart is pounding. And it's the only thing I can hear is that pounding in my chest of my heart. And the whale comes up and it goes back down. And then there's a part of me inside that says, get in the water. And I'm like, what? Get in the water. So I put my fins on. I put my mask on. I jump off the kayak. I hold the rope. And I'm just swimming around. And I'm just swimming in the water. And I have no idea where this whale is. But I know it's somewhere in there, right? And out of the corner of my eye, I see this shadow coming up out of the depths. And so it's swimming out of the depths. It comes out of the depths and it's coming closer and closer and closer. And like in my head, I'm going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, it's coming closer, right? And it comes in. So it's about 15 feet away from me. And it goes like this and it rolls up like this sideways. And I'm looking at it and it's looking at me. And if you've ever been, you have the opportunity to get close to a whale like that, the eye of the humpback whale was the size of the basketball, okay? So you have this eyeball that's like this big. And as it swims by me, it tracks me. Like it goes like this and it tracks me. And I'm looking at it and it's looking at me. And there was like this thing that went like that in that moment, right? And then it rolls over and then it rolls and it disappears into the depths. Wow. <laughs> and I, like my heart is like pumping like, <laughs> insanely. Okay. So like fast forward like about four five years and I'm living in New Zealand. And I had this group of people that we would do meditation. We'd come together every Thursday and we would do meditation. And this one particular meditation, she said to go inside and I'm sitting there. And that whale comes back to me. As the eye comes up and I look into the eye, all of a sudden I go past the eye and I look all the way into it and it shows me the web. And I see the web and I see how everything's connected. And I go, oh my God, there it is. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> a web it, of it, life. It's... It was such a profound experience, but it was a, it was that encounter with that whale 
that helped me get to that place because when I went, when I gave myself permission to go through and to look deeper, that 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 showed up. <laughs> That's really amazing. It's like, you know, whales and dolphins and humans are the only species that the female of the species has purpose beyond mothering. It's the only species, those three, that become grandmothers. And, you know, that's because of the level of consciousness available to the whales and dolphins and the humans available, maybe not always used, but available. So that leads me to really feel some camaraderie, you know, so to speak, with the whales and the dolphins. And I'm a creature that's learned to like silence. Like I have learned to really appreciate deep silence. I like to go floating in the float pod, sensory deprivation tanks, just so that I have the most silence as possible. And I can still hear the people in the next room, right? So irritating. And I want to just be in complete silence in there and float and go off into, oh, the zone. And out there in the zone, I've touched the heartbeat of Mother Earth. I've heard my heartbeat connecting with the heartbeat of Mother Earth and connecting with the heartbeat of the universe. That's how far I traveled out. And I went, wow, this whole thing is connected in one heartbeat. (laughs) That's amazing. And so I really appreciate when the rules in Hawaii around being around the whales is that we need to not be in motorized boats because the motors cause um, a lot of sound vibration in the water. And the whales actually operate by echolocation, right? So they operate by, by sound. They listen and they operate by the listening. And so there's a whole lot of noise going on. It's really hard for them to feel safe in the water and the water conducts noise and vibration. So we're such a loud species. Like we just can't help but be loud. Even when I used to paddle out into the middle of Kealakiko Bay and the, and the dolphins would come in, people would chase the pods from place to place. And that's, it's a very thing that they tell you not to because there's so one thing they encounter that they forget. And we're so like that as human beings because we want the encounter. So we will chase everything. And I would paddle out there and I would just sit and I wouldn't move. I would just sit and I would wait for them to come to me because if they want to talk to you, they're going to come to you. They don't want to be bothered. They're not going to be bothered. Hey, you were talking about dolphins and motherhood and and another crazy story, not crazy story, but amazing story is I took a woman who was eight months pregnant once out to swim with the dolphins. Her baby's name was going to be Naya, which is dolphin in, in Porpoise, in, or dolphin in Hawaiian, right? So we paddled out to the bay, we sat, and, and she, we were watching, I'm watching all this happen, and I just, and, and I said, we're just going to sit here. And so they came towards us, and I said, get in the water, and we got in the water, and I helped her out of the kayak, and she got in the water, and we're snorkeling, we're holding on to the kayak, and we're right next, and a dolphin and her baby come up, and they start swimming around her. And as I'm sitting there and I'm watching and then and nobody else, they didn't pay attention to anybody else. They kept coming back to her. And as I was sitting there and I was looking and I was listening and saying, okay. And the realization and the message that I got in that moment is that because of their echolocation, they were hearing two heartbeats in the one body. And because of that, they were like, wow, a baby. It was instant recognition of what that was for them. And so they came. She came. And, you know, there was a full-size dolphin and, and a little baby one. And they floated around us for about 20 minutes. And then they left. You know, and what's, what was coming to me is the intention she already had to name the baby after the dolphin. After and the dolphin, dolphin 
it's smart. It's speaking up on that. It's like, oh, you're calling the dolphin energy and let me give you lots of good dolphin energy for that baby because maybe this baby will rise up to be a human that gets the dolphin world, you know, and, you know, can be a service on the planet. But you're talking about noise, right? And so there's this noise of us talking. There's this noise of this anticipation. There's this noise of this fear and this anxiety and all of those things. And we don't think of that as noise. We don't think of that as sound, right? But animals pick up on all of those vibrations. To them, it's it's language, right? And so there's this place of absolute peace that she was in that they heard, felt, understood. And I think that was the reason part of the reason why they came to acknowledge that. Well, it's, you know, it's, it, go ahead, go ahead. It's so important for us to acknowledge the frequency that we're vibing on, right? I mean, that's what you're talking about is that a lot of times people want to have the experience, but they don't want to drop into the state of being that would allow the experience to unfold because that would require being still and restraining themselves. And believe me, like I'm saying, I get it because I'm that person. It took me a really long time to figure out how to meditate. It took me a long time to figure out how to be still and I even had parents that supported me in understanding that. Like we used to go um, on the weekends and we go on the sailboat. My dad loved to sail. And so we had this little 24 foot sailboat and we go out every single weekend on the sailboat. And I was, you know, when I was a kid, I thought it was really fun. And then I was starting to become a, a teenager, a tween and a teenager. I was like, oh my God, this is torture. Like I have to go sit on this boat and be quiet and read a book for like the entire weekend. And all my friends are having a party and I can't be there. And you know what? It's the thing I value the most in retrospect as an adult. I'm so grateful that they gave me the chance to be, to be bored, you know, to basically be bored. And it's almost, you have to be draconian parent to get your kids to be bored these days. Cause there's so many distractions available that, you know, you're like the mean parent, if you take it all away and everybody's got access to everything. So well, how do we slow down? Well, that's the reason why people don't slow down is because we've created so many distractions. And the reality is that, I, this is my opinion, is that because of all of those distractions, we are actually afraid of the quiet. We are afraid of the quiet. We are afraid when there is nothing happening. We, because in that space where the quiet shows up is also where the shadow shows up. The shadow of who we are, the in all of the places and the things that we think that we're not enough and or the mm-hmm. things that we think that we haven't done, all of those pieces that we, that we do a very good job of pushing to the side show up when there's space and the space is, is the quiet. And the listening shows up in the quiet too. And the listening, and in the listening, you might hear some messages from your ancestors in the listening as well. And they might be saying, hey, we've been watching you. And we want to offer you a little constructive feedback, you know, like this decision might be better for you than that decision. I actually got that message a long time ago. I mean, like the the direct message of that. And it was through one of the teachers that I had when I lived in New Zealand. And he was the teacher of my mentor, but he had already passed. And he worked with me through a medium who was part of the group of the the healing group that we were in. And he said, I want to work with you, even though I'm not here in the physical. And so we said, she and I sat together for the time that I had to be able to be with her. And I would go to her house and I would sit and he would talk to me through her. And one of the things that he said to me, and this is really profound, 
He said, we're always paying attention to what you're doing. We always know what's going on. And he would prove that because he would tell me about things I was thinking. Yeah, they know everything, even what you're thinking. That's the thing that people don't realize. And that and that scared the shit out of me <laughs> when he did that that day because he was telling me about a session that I had had with a woman. And he said, you did this session with this woman and you got to this point and you heard to do this thing, but you did the other thing. I want to know why you did the other thing. And I and that was at that point that I was like, oh my God, they're there. They're there. Always watching. And you talk about connecting to your ancestors and you're talking about connecting to your team. I call them the team. When you start talking about connecting to your guides and your angels and, and, and whoever it is that's part of your team. We spend a lot of time wanting to create the connection with them, but not a lot of time sitting quietly listening for the answers. We, we spend very little time. And so when we pray and when we put intentions out and we don't get what we're looking for and we get upset and frustrated and we walk away and we say, well, shit, this, uh, this shit doesn't work. I'm going to go find something else. That <laughs> I works. didn't get what I wanted, so it didn't work. I, I didn't get what I wanted when it didn't work. So, so <laughs> the thing about it is, is the answer, we're so linear as humans. We think that when I ask the question, the answer is going to come right there. And that's not how it works. And yeah, and I'll make a caveat to that. A lot of times the answer does come right away. But the thing is, because you're not listening, we're not listening, you don't hear the answer. And this is the other thing that I found out about that. It's not always the answer that you want. Exactly. Because there's a bigger picture. And that's where we have to step out of this self-obsession. You know, I've been studying the Gene Key Shadows, which is all based on the Him- you know, the I Ching from the Himalayas. And it's fascinating because we need these shadows to get started. You know, when we start our spiritual journey, these recognition of these shadows is very important, actually. And self-obsession is super important on the beginning of the journey because you've got to be obsessed enough to actually do something. I actually wanted to do about, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're right. But then you got to slow down and get still and restrain yourself so that you can actually transmute the energies. The energies can be transmuted through your presence. And it, the whole thing, you know, gigs up I mean, it's all about being present you know every path leads to presence every path leads to presence and our minds are designed and created to keep us the farthest away from presence as possible which is why there's so many dangerous distractions on the planet and so mother earth is having to do like some major acrobatics right now just to give us messages like hey here's another two by four let's make a stronger lesson you didn't get that that time okay i'm gonna give you some disease in your body then you'll have to slow down or i'm gonna you know, I'm going to create some chaos in your finances and then you'll have to slow down. So we're asking for what we need. If we slow down and we listen sooner, we don't get so many strong lessons. And that's what I've learned is to slow down sooner and listen to my ancestors and call in the support, call in the four directions, ask for Mother Earth to help me, ask for Father Sky and sit in meditation and put myself in that float pod and say, okay, Carrie, be still now, two and a half hours. <laughs> Stop thinking if you can. There's a reason for the vision quest. Mm. You know, there is a reason for the vision quest. There's a reason that we went out into nature in that way to sit quietly and to listen. One is to teach us how to do that, but two is to be able to listen because not everything's going to come in. Let's just put it this way. 
not everything's going to come in on the same radio frequency. So if we go out there listening to the same station over and over and over again, we might be missing the message because the message may be coming in on another station, but because we're not giving ourselves time to tune in to the other stations. And I don't think I've ever explained it this way before. You're not giving yourself time to tune into the other station. You're not giving yourself the opportunity to really get what's going on. Oh, see, that's that was for me, actually. That's why they had you do that. Because I've gotten very accustomed to the quick check. You know, like, okay, here's my pendulum. I'm going to check my body wisdom on like this decision. Yes, no. <laughs> and actually- I'm guilty of that as well. They're saying, Carrie, you need to actually go be still. So I'm actually going to be going still. I know we talked about this a couple months ago because you were you got your epic quest invitation to go back to your ancestral lands. And then I got this invitation. Okay, Carrie, there's something for you to go to Cherokee in Oklahoma and go sit there and be there. Uh, it's a place that, from my understanding of my former life, I never actually made it to Cherokee, Oklahoma. I, I died on the trail. And so for me, something about being there in this body in this time is going to give me something and maybe even an access to my ancestry since I have my genealogy from my mom and she never followed up on this piece. It's like, okay, let's go. I'm going to go do it. Maybe there's an opening now. Maybe I'll find out I've got some amazing family that I can connect with and that would be joyful. And so I'm, and without any expectations, just kind of going and Maybe the land will just speak to me and say, hey, welcome home. This is where you were meant to come. You turned back on the journey too soon. You weren't listening to the full download. You know, and this is what I know from my last life. I, I made a decision very quickly based on some feelings and I didn't really go deep enough. I didn't give it enough to understand what was being called for me. And I think these lessons, they persist lifetime after lifetime until we finally drop into that. Um, willingness to be still long enough for the full message, like you're saying, to get that higher download or the deeper download, even like the right station to come through. So we're really listening to the whole spectrum. It is. And not to be disappointed if you go somewhere and nothing happens because the perception is nothing happened. But the reality is sometimes just there is all that needed to happen. And so letting go, you're right, letting go of the expectations. You know, I mean, I, not that I had an expectation, but, you know, you think about this. I wonder what's going to happen when I go. So, you know, I went back to Hawaii and I was there for a month. And I kept waiting for the call to go here, the call to go there. And all these big things that I thought were supposed to happen. And the reality was, most of the time, all it was was sitting on the land. You know, we're staying in a really beautiful place that I had the opportunity every morning to go out and watch the sunrise. And every morning, every afternoon to go out and watch the sunset. And and the spaces that were in between and, and the places that we went to and the time that we spent, literally, that we spent most of that month sitting on the land <laughs> in different places. You know? But maybe that was the medicine. I, I, exactly. And I walked away from that realizing that, you know, we spent the whole afternoon, a few hours sitting on the edge of Kilauea, looking at Halimauma, which is, a, which is the, the home of Pele. And there wasn't this big, spectacular, you know, download of information or anything else like that. What I found was just incredible peace. And that was all I was supposed to get that afternoon was this, this feeling of incredible peace and feeling the land underneath me and then the connection that I felt to it. And it was like that when we went to Mauna Kea, when we went to the mountain, it was like that when, when we went to the volcano, it was like that when we went to the ocean, every time we went to the ocean, it was like that when we went to South Point and in all the different places that we visited, it was that piece of touching the land and the nourishment that came from that. And where there's these 
amazing downloads of the things that you were supposed to do and everything else like that. Not in the way that a human mind would think that there was. You know, that actually is put into place for me, this message I've been getting recently, which is uh, that it's like the receiving in the stillness is giving me the experience that I'm overlooking when I'm waiting for something to happen. And that's right, the receiving of stillness. That's actually a beautiful way of saying that, the receiving of stillness. Because and, there's actually the and being able to and Yeah, and being able to land in it. Well, be able to land in it, right? Yeah. And and just go, there's nothing else here. There's There's actually a deepening and an expansion in that stillness experience that is almost like this sort of preciousness opens up like an embrace or like the world becomes more saturated somehow. Tangible. You feel everything in a way that you may not have been able to experience before. And it's our perception because it, it is, you know, when I talk about this, I talk about the emotion sometimes that we attach to things, you know, and, and then the one that I became aware of when I started looking at this was how much emotion I put to rain. Just the thought about rain, right? There's a reason why the Hawaiians had, I don't know how many they had, how many different descriptions of rain that we have, but it, it doesn't matter. But it would be either, oh, it's raining. Or, yep, it's raining again. Or, oh my God, it's raining, right? (laughs) Yeah. So all of these emotions that I've attached to this act of rain, when really rain is all it is, is rain, right? And so can I just sit inside of that and, and appreciate rain for what it is without my emotional attachments to it? Or without having to put a spin on it. Nothing. Because it's different then, because then I'm... Then the rain, I'm feeling the drops, light or heavy, that are that are landing on my body or landing on my head. And I'm feeling the water as it pulls and it drips down. And I'm having a sensation of rain over my body or around me, hearing the rain as it hits the puddles or the roof or, or the leaves and the patter and everything else like that. And so it becomes the experience of it, not my emotional attachment to it. <laughs> And when we give ourselves time to sit inside the quiet, we give ourselves the opportunity to have those experiences, right? Yeah, I was sitting actually in the rain. It's funny you're saying that because it rained, it was about a month ago. And I was sitting on the, I said, I'm going to go sit on the front porch and just notice the rain and just do that. And I Mm -hmm. did that for several hours. I just sat there noticing the rain and making that okay. You know, my brain is like, wants to be productive so much. And I do have a very natural predilection towards productivity. So I want to say like, there's cultural programming and there's just your human design. <laughs> so how do we find naturalness? If that's a different story for every single human being is how to get into what's actually truly you and to be with that. And that takes a lot of self-inquiry and awareness and stillness and time and presence and courage and faith. <laughs> yeah, because you have to deviate from the pack. It takes courage to give yourself permission to do that. And one of the bigger pieces, I think, inside of that is doing it without any expectation. Because we go into any kind of an endeavor like that with an expectation. I'm going to say it this way. Then, then a lot of times you're setting yourself up for disappointment. 
because our minds can create at the drop of a hat a myriad of outcomes. And so we can imagine the expectations that we want to have, and they very rarely line up with the reality. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that expectations are different than intentions. And we're not even going to get into that conversation today about the difference, but it's that going someplace for the sake of going there and nothing else. It's like beginning a journey to this path. I think that many people are being called into stillness and through different pathways. And for me, being in nature, being a shamanic path is one of real mm, deep vulnerability and acknowledgement of our humanity and our part of something larger than us. That I was going to say our, our, our smallness. Our smallness inside of it. Exactly. And then the idea or the pathway of becoming a healer in that, right? The shamanic healer. Well, talk about expectations, you know, and the shamanic path will confound those expectations at every turn because it's not about your small self in the small human body anymore. It's about the collective. It's about the planet. It's about your place in the universe, your small contribution that is actually epic, you know, in many ways, but but that is a very profound thing to try to control <laughs> and you can't. So all you can do is open to the hollow bone. And that I think is the, the work that for me has required so much presence and stillness and awareness is the, I guess, navigating my own inner realms as to when I'm in the hollow bone and when I'm trying to control and direct things like a little maestro <laughs> and no, come back into the hollow bone, be in the presence, be in the moment allow my voice to be lifted, for example, in a song that I don't even know the song and it's never been sung by me before and it's just coming out my mouth and I hope it sounds good. And, you know, that's my ego that talks, but there's something significant in that melody that's very healing for the person in front of me. And I don't need to understand where that song comes from or why it's there, right? I just sing it. And that's getting out of the way of that. That's the trust of the listening, isn't it? That's the trust of listening and... That's why this is a long path. This is the path. This is not a weekend workshop. It's a path. It is not a weekend workshop. Any of the endeavors, any kind of endeavor like this is way of life. It's not something that you study and then you put aside. It's actually way of life. And I realized that when I, after a few years of being on this path, and I was like, oh, I see. This is just what I'm going to always do. This is who I am. And, and it was not the devotion or uh, the or the responsibility of it. It's just the understanding of that and going, I am going to give myself permission to open as much as I can to the experience of everything around me, even if it feels uncomfortable in that moment so that I can understand it. And it's not, sometimes it's not to even understand it so that I can give myself the opportunity to experience it. And the experience may change something inside of me that my conscious, logical mind may not be not understand in the moment. Yet it's creating a shift or a change or some subtleness that may never show up. And usually, what happens is it doesn't show up until you need it. And then all of a sudden, there's this awareness or this wisdom or something that comes out, and you go. I, I know that happens to me quite often when somebody asks a question or I'm in a position and all of a sudden the answer comes in. I'm like, I'm in awe. 
when it shows up like this. Because I would like it, I look at that and I go, holy shit, James, where did that come from? And I go, I have no idea, but I'm grateful that it did. <laughs> yeah, I'm often surprised by what comes out my mouth, you know, and I laugh at people and say, wow, that was a great question. I'm glad to learn that too. I didn't know that before, you know? <laughs> but it's just that, that act of, I don't know, surrender, embrace and trust. Like you said, trust in the process. And it takes a while for us to learn to trust, especially when we're so programmed to distrust and to be so busy to avoid those feelings like you were talking about. And, you know, I mean, shamanic path is really about shadow work, but that doesn't mean it has to be hard and difficult and ugly and painful. It just means that we embrace that which we don't know, that which was in the subconscious, that which is outside of our known realm, right? We just embrace it. And we listen, as you said, back to listening. There's not, the more you understand the darkness, the better you understand the light. Mm. And it can't be one or the other. And this is the place where I, I, it might sound like I get up on, on my soapbox, but it is not all peace, love, and light. It is not only looking at the light. It is not just going to those places and says, well, I'm not going to pay attention to the part that feels uncomfortable because I'm just going to, I'm just going to open to the love and I'm just going to open to the, to, to the light. And yet what we're doing is we're in some ways denying or failing to acknowledge that part of us that is as real as who we are. And so by bringing those pieces, by doing the shadow work and a lot of, a lot of, I think, not I think, you're right, Carrie, because a lot of the shamanic work is shadow work, but it's not shadow work from a place of evilness. It's not shadow work from a place of pain. It's shadow work in the context of greater awareness and understanding of self. Yeah, and reclaiming those parts of yourself that forgot who they were. Not only lost that, in the darkness, you know, that lost, lo- lost in the darkness. Well, that <laughs> shadow has whatever aspect of that is, whatever part shows up in, in your shadow is a story at that at some point your soul told itself and it believed. Yeah. Or an and ancestor so, too. Or, or an ancestor. Yeah. Because we inherit a lot of shadows in that way too. But it was a story that was, that was told and believed and made into truth. And the truth is whatever that shadow is, is bad. And so, so because it's bad, then I have to take that away, whatever it was, if it's guilt or shame or, or how, whatever the emotion that's, a, that's attached to it. And to look at that and go, huh, I wonder why that happened. I wonder why I felt that way. And can I give myself permission to change that? Can I give myself permission to I thought about this about a, a, a very recently. If you're looking at a hologram, hologram gives you, and I love that the, the, I'm, I'm this fantasy space freak anyway. So, you know, like I read a lot of fantasy novels, but on Star Trek, they have this thing where they have the computer and now they go like this and they just throw it up. And then all of a sudden it's all up in front of you Yeah, and, and they go like this and they spin it around and they look at this and they go like this and they open it up. Right. And that's really what we're doing. We're giving ourselves the opportunity to look at that from that standpoint of the hologram, because now I can turn it and I can get a different perspective. So the perspective of the shadow that I've held and been for a really long time, if I turn it even slightly, it gives me a different way to look at it, which means it goes, oh, well, wait a minute, was that a shadow or is that something that I didn't want to step into because it was a power that I was afraid of? I mean, it could be that as well. And the right? healing can happen instantly. I, I'll just briefly, just a little nugget I'll share yesterday yeah. with a client. 
she came in because there was this voice and this energy that was like haunting her and saying really terrible things to her. And it was a, a masculine energy, like you bitch and all this kind of stuff. And she felt tormented and choked and all this stuff for days. And I said, okay, well, let's take a look at it. And, you know, and so, and so years ago, when I started this path, I would have said, let's get rid of that entity. You know, I would have been like, let's get rid of that thing and send it off someplace else. <laughs> this time I slowed down and I said, okay, let's, let's just give a healing to you first to clear the affinity you have for it. So let's do some healing and then let's see where it comes from. And as it turned out, it was a past life she shared with someone who also in this particular body was an ancestor. So like, you know, we have all these overlaps. And so when he was stuck, this particular energy that was in her body being an ancestor was stuck in the other lifetime where he was a brother and he was really mad at her because he thought she got everything. He was, you know, just pissed off. And I said, well, why don't you ask him if the story changes at all when he realizes that you're his great, 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 great granddaughter? Oh, oh my God, the shame. I can't believe I've been treating you this way. I'm so sorry. And she said, he's in such shame. And I said, can you have compassion for him now? And let's just reconcile that part of you and bring it home. And so, you know, would he like a little healing? Yes, he would. Okay, was a little healing? A little like shake a little shaman stick, bring him up to the upper world to deal with his family. And then now integrate that part back into your vessel because he was part of your vessel. And then the last piece was, would he like to be a guardian angel for you? And he said, yes, yes. And so we just, you know, we we did the bit about the luminous warrior. We converted the enemy into the, into the greatest ally. That's the shadow work that I want to bring to the world is, is seeing you now the woundedness behind and and to bring light to it and love and compassion and and it was just all based on some some experience from so long ago, some experience or some some idea that we had of something. It's funny you said that because you reminded me of something that happened to my grandson when he was about 13, 12, 13. and he was having nightmares. And I asked him, and my daughter asked me to talk to him, and I said, "Okay, I will." And so I talked to him, and I said, "What's going on?" And he said, well, when I'm when I try to go to sleep at night, these I see these figures that come towards me. And I said, describe the figures to me. And he said, well, I can't really see them because they're dark and they're cloaked and I can't see their faces. And I said, OK. I said, the next time you have that dream, I said, ask them if you want me to talk to you, if you want to have a relationship with me, I need to see your face and you need to tell me who you are. And she, he calls me up a couple of weeks later and he says. He says, I'm not having the nightmares anymore. I said, really? What happened? He said, I did what you did when I went into the dream. And I saw them. And I, and I told them what I told them. And so they took their hoods off so that I could see their faces. Turned out to be my daughter's grandparents. So it was his great-grandparents that were showing up to talk to uh. him. And they wanted to let him know that they were with him and they were going to be around him and that he didn't have to worry. So what was fear, because it was something that he didn't see, was actually people that were coming to be with him that wanted to be with him. But because he didn't have the communication and the understanding and the conversation with them, they continued to be what his mind saw as, as shadow and as, as bad. He also had a friend of his father's who had died in a car accident, came back to tell everybody that he was sorry that that had happened and he felt guilty because he was no longer there for the people that he loved. And that was the other one, another one that, that you know, but the, he would not have had that experience had he not, again, just like the hologram, looked for a different perspective and he got the different perspective and it changed everything. About it changes everything. Yeah. He, but that he, requires a certain level of discernment 
on the part of the guide, you know, that's yeah. helping the person, which is why the path is a path and it's not a weekend. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a weekend. <laughs> not a weekend. I, I, I watched that happen because of sitting with the old Hawaiian masters in Hawaii that were teaching me Lomi Lomi at the time. And people would come and they would do a weekend class or they would do a class for a couple of weekends or two or three days or whatever it was. And I watched this happen all the time. They would go home and all of a sudden they were Lomi Lomi practitioners and they put it on their website and all over, all over their, their correspondence and everything else like that. And all of a sudden they were doing Lomi Lomi. And my judgment came up inside of that because I go, you learn the fundamentals. And, and again, my judgment, but now we have to practice this and you have to practice this. And it's, and it's a practice that never goes away. It's always opening, always looking, always asking for more guidance, always being willing to open to the spaces over and over and over again. So it doesn't stop with that quote unquote weekend training or that certification. <laughs> We're so addicted to the certifications on the wall, you know, like proving uh, I, your worth I, and this and that. And it's it's not I, about proving your worth. If you're becoming a healer to prove your worth, I mean, I did that too. And you got to get beyond that mode. It's about being in service. And people, that comes people, from a full people, cup. People ask me for for certificates all the time. And I said, I don't give them. It's not something that I do because it's not anything that you're completed. All we're doing is when we go to teacher and we start on this journey, their job is to open the door and to teach us how to travel the road. And then it's our responsibility to continue to want to travel that road and to be open. And then to go back to your teacher, if you have a question, go back to your teacher or your guide for that guidance because there's something that you didn't understand as you travel on your path, right? That's really the point of that. And it's the lineage that you're working with that's actually beyond the veil that's supporting you in that tradition. And so, you know, you have to honor the ancestors too and give back. So if you took the Lomi Lomi class and you didn't honor the ancestors, maybe switch that. Maybe put an ancestral altar up and say, thank you for guiding me every single day on my path. And I was say, <laughs> I'll, I'll show you the four ancestral altars that I have that are just right there sitting to, yes. to, 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 you know, to the side of me. But it's an important piece that that piece of constantly looking inside and being open. And this, Hawaiians call it ha ha. And that's this humility. Mm -hmm. right this humility of being open to the idea and the understanding and then and there's another concept that we we talk about in hawaii that's called pono and to live in pono is to live in right relationship pono this right relationship with self right relationship inside of my re um, with the people that i know right relationship with the land and the ancestors and, and everything else right there's something that I say for myself, and if, you know, people talk about this, is every morning, every night, there's a prayer that I say, and I say, mahalo keakua. So in other words, mahalo keakua mean God, high source energy. Mahalo to, thank you to my, my kupuna, which are my ancestors. And thank you to the guides, guardians, and angels that work with me to help me to do the work that I do. And so there's an honoring and, and a reminder that what I do comes from that source. 
And so I do that every morning and every night to honor and, and thank them for the gift, thank them for the teaching, thank them for even the painful lessons that show up because it's those painful lessons that that is the places where we grow sometimes the most, right? And so part of that prayer is also looking for the miracles that happen during my day or those places that those miracles show up. And, and the miracle may be as small as the smile that I get from someone or the butterfly that landed on the bush while I was sitting out in the backyard or the quirl that flies over that calls as he does or looking up and seeing a, a red-tailed hawk that flies over when I was thinking about something and I needed an answer for, you know? So we have miracles in our lives and the more we acknowledge those miracles and those connections and those synchronicities, some people will call it, right? The more they show up. But that's part of the listening too. Right. Yeah. So if we bring this all the way around full circle, that's part of the listening. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. And thank you for your bright light and your gifts that you are bring to us today. I appreciate you. Is there any way that you like people to get started knowing more deeply about you? Is there any um, place you'd like to lead them? Well, you know, you can always start. It's <laughs> This is the part about being the teacher. This is the part about being, you know, one of the things I find in with um, some of my old teachers is that it's impossible to find them because they never wanted to leave their card or whatever you could say. So I have a website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're being called to have websites. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have to realize that we have to realize that the method of communication is the internet. If mm -hmm. this is the way that we are available to more people instead of just the community that we live in. Yeah, because if you were in the community before, everyone knew who you were because they interacted with you all the time and they just knew you were the person to come talk to. But in this but the thing age, about it is, is our, com you know? our community is the globe. The whole world. Yeah. So so it it's very easy. It's www.jamescoinui.com. Awesome. And, I'll, and, I'll put that in the show you, notes. Yeah, and if you go there, there's a 30-minute consultation, however you want to look at it. But I, I do three free 30-minute calls for people, and it's called Get Back on Track. Mm -hmm. And if you go into the website, there'll be a drop-down for Get Back on Track. And if you say yes, then we can have a conversation for 30 minutes. And we'll talk about something that's happening, and I'll give you the best guidance that I feel in that moment. And just like you, I think part of our journey is to share and give people tools so that they can do the, they can move in their lives on their own. I never look for permanent students or people to that whole idea. We're, we're not going to get into about the guru and, and <laughs> yeah. su supplicating myself before someone. My job is to give people tools so they can live their lives. And how about just being friends? You know, I mean, a friend helps a friend. It's, you know, we're all friends. We're all walking each other home. Some of us just a little more experienced in one area than another. So that's it. I'm climbing a ladder. I'm reaching the person be above me is reaching down to help pull me up. And I'm behind looking down and the person that's behind me, I'm reaching a hand to draw them up. And that's what we are. We're all climbing this ladder. And this ladder is awareness. And we're helping each other move through that process constantly. Constantly. And every every person's important in the in the wheel of life and the big giant puzzle. So it's all it's all valuable. 
people come to me as students and I end up learning from them all the time. So it goes both ways. Totally. Like I just shared with you in that feeling session, I was like, whoa, that's so fascinating because I didn't know what I was going to do. I just follow the thing and then I go, oh, wow, that's so cool. And I sing a song. I'm like, wow, that's a powerful song. It's in my head now. You know. So anyway, it's, it's part of the mystery of it. I love the mystery. So, well, thank you so much for bringing your wisdom here today. And um, we're going to give kisses. I always give people kisses at the end before I give you kisses. So people, before you get James's wonderful kisses in mind, please like, subscribe, and share out to more people so that this message gets spread because we'd like to spread this message more than fear. I think it would be fun to see what happens when love gets spread around more than fear. Let's see. Let's run an experiment and find out. <laughs> here come the kisses, Bye. everybody. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Have a great week, everybody. Bye for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Soul